God bless you. Look, a whole week has gone by, and here we are, alive and well. Well, maybe not well, but alive. So that's a good thing, huh? In this day, nice to see everybody. Really great to be with you again on this Wednesday night. I have an interesting topic. Well, it was interesting to me. I guess you'll be the judge about whether it's interesting to you. It's a sensitive topic. Let me preface it this way. Uh, The issue of abortion is very important for those of us, especially who have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. When that happened, our thinking uh, got redeemed. (laughs) When we accepted Christ, we got not just forgiveness of sin, we actually got moved from the domain of darkness, it's called, to the kingdom of the beloved Son. And that changes our thinking. So if we thought abortion was a legitimate option before Christ, Uh, Those of us in Christ surely don't see it to be a legitimate option at all anymore. In fact, in the recent presidential election, uh, many of us uh, determined our vote uh, on the basis of many issues, perhaps this one being the primary one. In fact, some of us would say, I think rightly, if it was just the issue of abortion, that would be a legitimate reason to vote accordingly uh, for the person whose position is, uh, is uh, most uh, consistent with the biblical high view of the sanctity of human life. So I've been thinking about that quite a bit because we're uh, in an unusual and challenging day. And... Uh, I wondered not about abortion, but I wondered about uh, this. Uh, What happens to babies when they die? So uh, babies who are aborted or uh, babies who who die early on in life, what happens to them? Where do they go? They're beautiful. I've overstepped my ground the last few Wednesday nights by blatantly imposing upon you pictures of my beautiful new grandson. And look how disciplined I am tonight. No pictures. Although, man, I got one the other day. Oh, I, 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 I didn't do it because I'm afraid you'll ask for equal time. <laughs> so, but they're beautiful, aren't they? Uh, babies, infants, Uh, very cute, and they bring so much joy to us. But sadly, many die uh, in infancy uh, around the world. Infant mortality, it's called. Uh, Great numbers of little ones throughout the world and throughout human history have passed on. Uh, So it leads to the question, passed on to where, to what? What happens to the millions of Babies who who die in infancy, what happens to the millions of babies who are aborted? Where do they go? Now, I know what I want to say. It's the same thing you want to say. I I want to say uh, all babies who pass on uh, go to heaven. Don't you want to say that as well? Uh, But we're only permitted 
to say that which the scriptures say. Now, don't get nervous. Just sit tight. I just want to make sure we're not leaning on our own heartfelt inclinations. I want us to examine scripture tonight. Uh, Does it weigh in? Does the word of God have something to say about this fairly sensitive matter? What happens to babies when they die? Well, uh, the answer is yes, they do. And so that's what we're going to talk about uh, tonight. Now, to begin with, let me just tell you that uh, some people say that uh, babies, when they die, go immediately to heaven for this reason. Babies, they say, have no sin. So therefore, when babies die, uh, whether it's through abortion or some other cause, they die, it is said by some, sinlessly, and therefore they go straight to heaven. So this point of view um, essentially suggests that people are born without sin. And sin takes root in our lives at some point later on when we commit our first sin. And so when that happens, it is said, we become sinners. A baby is not a sinner, but at some point in the baby's life after the commission of sin, the baby will become a sinner. But folks, uh, that thinking is not biblical. It's just not true. Uh, uh, This thinking is contrary to the Bible, which in fact uh, says that even cute little children are sinners, uh, that is to say, have a sin nature from the point of conception. I don't know what you think about what I just said, um, and it's not important that you uh, agree or disagree with what I just said. What's important is that we consult Scripture. So here, here we are. Let me just share with you a few things. Here, this is Psalm 51, verse 5. Behold... I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. You see, so it appears even this cute little baby is born with a sin nature. How did that happen? Well, inherited from the first of us, Adam, you see. The sin nature was passed on even to cute little babies. How about this this verse of scripture, Psalm 58.3, the wicked are estranged, look, from the womb. Uh, These who speak lives go astray from birth. And and how about this one, Psalm 143, verse 2. For in thy sight no one living is righteous. So if a person is living, (laughs) that person is not righteous, even if that person is a newborn baby. Can you see the thinking? Now, that may be a little repulsive to you because babies seem so innocent, but I'm afraid not, folks. They have a sin nature uh, which they inherited. And so I want to get babies to heaven, as do you, but I can't get them there by saying babies have no sin nature. Do you know of any adults who do not sin? Uh, My guess is you do not. Uh, Do you know why they sin? Uh, It is because it is their nature (laughs) to sin. 
the only reason why a baby has not yet sinned is that it has not yet had the chance to. But as soon as the baby gets the chance to, even the baby will end up being a child who sins this consistent with the baby's sin nature. They've inherited it, you see, from Adam. Romans chapter 5, verse 12 makes that clear. Therefore, just as through one man, that's Adam, sin entered into the world and death through sin, and so death spread to all men, all people, in all human life, including little babies. So we cannot get babies to heaven by saying they are without sin. That's just not going to work from a biblical point of view. So here's what others try to do. In an effort to get babies to heaven, they say you can do it by baptizing them as infants. And so in certain uh, religious groupings and faith groups, infant baptism, what's called pedo-baptism, is very, very important. In certain groups, it's even referred to as a sacrament. It's a very important thing. The thinking is that unbaptized infants, if they die, they don't go to heaven. Only baptized infants do, and that's how you get babies to heaven. If they die, whether it be through abortion or some other uh, cause of their premature death, if the baby's been baptized somehow, the baby goes to heaven. Otherwise, the baby doesn't. Now, there was a fellow named Ambrose who lived in the fourth century. He was a theologian, and he was the bishop of Milan. He's the one who kind of set this position into motion. Uh, he's the one who proposed that it's only unbaptized infants who don't go to heaven when they die. And so he said, these are his words, no one ascends into the kingdom of heaven except by means of the sacrament of baptism. You see? Now that thought was uh, repeated by someone named Augustine. Perhaps you've heard of him, also a great theologian. He also lived in the fourth century. He was a philosopher and bishop of a place called Hippo in North Africa. Augustine said, born within the fall, infants inherit real depravity. So the wrath of God abides on un." baptized infants, you see? Now, I wish we could get babies to heaven by baptizing them right away when they're born. But the Bible does not teach this. In fact, this is what the Bible says. You're familiar with this, Ephesians 2, 8. For by grace, not by baptism, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. So if we, get an, if we think we can get an infant to heaven through baptism, then it's baptism that got that infant to heaven, not the grace of God. Can you see where I'm going here? Boy, I can see I'm not making friends. But as long as I'm influencing people, you know, you're supposed to make friends and influence people. I'll settle for the second. 
As long as I can influence. Now hang in there. Uh, don't throw anything just yet. We're not done. Infant baptism would make salvation a result of works, not a result of grace. And this verse and many, many others make it clear. Uh, the means of salvation is the grace of God. So I'm sorry, folks. We cannot get uh, babies to heaven this way either. So what are we left with? Are we obligated to conclude that babies who die are sent by God to hell for eternity? No, we are not obligated to come to that conclusion at all. Well, then how can we get babies who die to heaven? Well, how are you getting to heaven? How does anybody get to heaven? It's by the grace of God. You didn't earn your salvation, neither did I, so why require that of infants? Infants are saved in exactly the same way adults are saved. It's through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That is the only means by which anybody, regardless of age, can be saved. But what about the faith of infants with regard to the Lord Jesus? Where, where is it? They don't have it. They're babies. They're infants. They cannot place their faith in Jesus by definition. They're incapable of it. They're babies. And so, in grace and mercy, through the sacrifice of Christ, babies who die by God's grace and mercy are ushered into heaven. Do you know what keeps anyone out of heaven? It's not sin. No, 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 no. It's rejection of the sin bearer. That's what keeps people out of heaven. Please tell me, at what point has a baby rejected intentionally, knowingly, voluntarily? Show me a baby who has rejected the sin bearer, the sin substitute, the Lord Jesus. No such thing. Therefore, though the baby is conceived in sin and has a sin nature, it's not the baby's sin nature, nor yours, that keeps us out of heaven. It's acceptance or rejection of Jesus that makes that determination. And what baby has deliberately rejected Jesus? Babies have simply not reached the age at which they're able to comprehend the matters of sin and salvation. Therefore, an infant and wombed doesn't have sufficient understanding. Uh, an infant at birth doesn't understand. A young child doesn't comprehend all this. Well, then at what age does the Bible tell us that a young child develops this understanding of sin and salvation? In other words, what is the age of accountability? Well, folks, the Bible does not specify. It doesn't say 8 or 9 or 12 or 14. Why not? Because no age of accountability applies to everybody. A certain 5-year-old may have an understanding that an 11-year-old doesn't. So therefore, the Bible uh, does not announce a specific age of accountability, just the principle and the concept. 
And now because the age of accountability doesn't fit everybody, <laughs> uh, the issues uh, of sin and salvation are understood by young children at entirely different ages. So there isn't a specific age at all. But there is a point in every child's life, there is a point when the condition of accountability is met. Before then, children are not accountable because they're not able to understand matters of sin and salvation. Therefore, in the case of young ones, their unbelief is not a willful choice. They simply don't understand. And nobody is denied heaven for lack of understanding. People are denied heaven for willful rejection of the Savior. It is rejection of the Savior that keeps a person out of heaven at any age. Not that that person has inherited a sin nature. Uh, but young ones don't yet know enough fully to reject the Savior. So hang in there with me. Old Testament passage, Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse 39. Moreover, your little ones who you said would become a prey, and your sons, who this day have no knowledge of good and evil, shall enter there, and I will give it to them, and they shall possess it. What's the context? Israel had been delivered by God's grace from 400-plus years of Egyptian bondage. She's on her way now to the Promised Land, but the ancient Israelites rebelled against God disobeyed the penalty, they will not enter in to the place of promise. Those old enough to know right from wrong have willfully rebelled against God. Those will not enter the promised land. However, that this verse says, uh, God says in it, your little ones who have no knowledge of good and evil shall enter in. Can you see what I'm getting at? No, I don't know the specific age of accountability, but I know here God is telling us these young ones have not reached it. The adults are accountable. They're not entering into the place of promise because of their rebellion and disobedience, but the children are not guilty whatsoever. They don't really understand fully right from wrong at this point. Now, this is not saying the infants, the children are sinless, it is saying, however, they are not guilty of deliberate sin. So once again, folks, nobody goes to hell because of his or her sin. A person goes to hell because of his or her rejection of the Savior from sin. But what infant has consciously rejected Jesus the Savior? None. So now I want to ask you to take a look at this passage of Scripture. Jeremiah 19, verse 4. Listen to it. Because they have forsaken me and have made this an alien place and have burned sacrifices in it to other gods that neither they nor their forefathers nor the kings of Judah had ever known, and because they have filled this place with the blood of the innocent, which begs the question, who are the innocent. This is a reference, again, to ancient Israelites who 
were polluting the land of promise with their sin and worshiping false gods and offering sacrifices to idols. And not only that, filling the place, the verse says, with the blood of the innocent. Now, who are the innocent? Well, I think the answer is given in the very next verse. And have built the high places of Baal, that's a Canaanite god, to burn their sons in the fire as burnt offerings to Baal. Who are the innocent? The children of the ancient Israelites who were being offered to appease, offered in fire to appease the false god Baal. Those are the innocent, the children. Folks, uh, uh, there's a parallel to modern-day abortion here, it seems to me. The innocent are babies in this case. So though they indeed possess a sin nature, they've not yet reached the point of accountability and therefore are considered innocent. And God doesn't send any innocent one to hell. Jesus did something on one occasion. He healed a blind man, much to the dismay of the Jewish religious leaders known as the Pharisees. They were upset with the whole thing. And Jesus said to them in John chapter 9, verse 41, if you, remember he's talking to the Pharisees, if you were blind, you would have no sin. But now you say, we see. Your sin remains. You see what the Lord is saying? Those who have the capacity to see, to understand, to comprehend, to understand the truths of sin and salvation, and yet refuse to acknowledge those truths, those remain guilty in their sin. But one, like a baby or very young child, who cannot see, who cannot comprehend, who does not understand these matters of sin and salvation, that one will not be held responsible. Can you see what I'm getting at over here? Okay, well, nobody wants to nod your head. Uh, okay. Uh, folks, my point is this. An infant will not be judged for not believing in what he cannot see. That's not the way God operates. Now, in 2 Samuel 12, you remember the story of David and Bathsheba. Bathsheba was a married woman. Her husband's name was Uriah. Apparently, it didn't matter to David. He wanted her. He had her. They had an affair. David arranges for Uriah, as you know, to be killed. Uh, Bathsheba becomes pregnant, and a child is going to be born. Well, God sent a man named Nathan to point out David's sin, and David repented. He acknowledged his sin and found forgiveness. However, Nathan told David one of the consequences of the sin is that the child, now being carried by Bathsheba, will not survive. The child will die. And indeed, the child was born very sick. David wanted so much for the child to live. And therefore, he prayed and he fasted and he begged God for the life of the child. He was in anguish. 
And then the child died. David's servants were very afraid to tell him for fear that maybe he would take his own life in all the distress of losing his child. But David saw them whispering about all this. and Somehow he knew what had happened, that the baby had passed. And then, surprisingly, David got up from the ground. He changed his clothes. He washed. He ate. And he worshiped God. His whole mood, his countenance changed. The servants were amazed. What a change. And so they asked David what was going on. And David said this in 2 Samuel chapter 12, verses 22-23. While the child was still alive, he said, I fasted and wept. For I said, who knows? Uh, The Lord may be gracious to me that the child may live. But now he has died. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he will not return to me. He can't come back to me, the child, but I am going eventually, upon my own death, to go to him. Because of that realization, David's mood went from depression to hope. Hope about what? Hope about seeing his child in heaven. You see, David was not at all saying he'll see his child in hell. How would that raise him from despair to hopefulness? David knew he was forgiven by God's grace, and therefore he knew he would be an heir of heaven. Therefore, he was hopeful about seeing his child there in heaven, not in hell. Now, some say David simply meant he would be buried next to his child. I have a hard time, if that's the case, understanding how that would move David from intense sorrow to hope. I mean, is David saying, look, I've been in deep despair over the well-being of my child, but now that he's dead, I feel entirely hopeful and relieved because we'll one day share the same hole in the ground? That's not what David's saying at all. No way. That kind of thing doesn't move you from despair to hope. This does. David knew where his child was. He knew that his child was in heaven and he knew that he was going there. He knew there would be a reunion with this prematurely deceased child and that gave him great cause for rejoicing. That's what moved him from despair to hope. So if you ask me what happens to babies when they die, whether the cause of death is abortion or another, they go immediately to heaven. Now let me ask you this. On what basis... Will unsaved people be judged by God when they stand before him? Let me answer. The basis of their judgment will be their deeds. How do I get this? Well, I got it from the last book of the Bible. It's called Revelation, in which John, the writer, had a vision of God seated on his throne at a time when God was judging all people. And we read this about that in Revelation chapter 20, 
verse 12. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne, and books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. It's as if God has books in which every thought, word, and deed done, contrary to the will of God, is recorded. And when one unsaved stands before God, there is no argument nor defense. God opens up the book and simply puts on display the sinful deeds committed by that person. There is no defense at that particular point. Now, please tell me, what deliberate sinful deeds have infants committed? You tell me. None. Infants who die have committed no sinful deeds, and therefore they have nothing written in that book containing a record of sinful deeds, don't you see? So though infants, as I hope uh, I've made clear, are uh, sinful by nature, it's not their nature that brings them condemnation any more than your sinful nature is what brings you condemnation. It's rejection of Christ. What baby has rejected Christ? What records of sinful deeds is God keeping about infants aborted while wombed or others who die very young in life? They've committed no such deeds. Now think of this. Let's say God sent deceased babies to hell based on their sinful nature. Can you imagine a baby in hell? Can you imagine a baby suffering the torment of hell? God would know full well why the baby was there, but the baby would have no idea. The baby would know, I'm suffering, but the baby would have no idea why. Does that sound like something the God of the Bible would do? What good, you see, is a divinely imposed penalty if the one being penalized has no idea why? For these reasons, I believe a baby who has suffered the throes of abortion or others go immediately to be in heaven. Now, I want to ask you as we come close to closing here to consider this final passage, also from Revelation After these things, John is speaking again, I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could count. Where'd they come from? Well, from every nation and all the tribes and peoples and tongues standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, a symbol of purity. And palm branches, a symbol of peace with God, were in their hands. And they cry out with a loud voice saying, salvation to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. 
this text in Revelation speaks of a large number of saved souls uh, gathered around the throne of God in unison worshiping him. It's such a large number of worshipers that the text which we just read said, Behold a great multitude which no one could count. So my question to you is, where do they come from? Some people will say there are whole nations that are Christian nations. It used to be said of the U.S., this is a Christian nation. False. Never was, never will be. A nation can't be Christian. People can. Nations can't. If you've labored under that misconception, that's your mistake. So people have counted certain nations of the world as being Christians, and therefore they say that's where these multitudes are coming from. That's not true. Also, anytime they do a poll, even in the U.S., good night, the majority of us are Christians all of a sudden. Well, that's not true. You know that, and I know that. So the count of those who are supposed to be Christians is highly inflated and inaccurate. Therefore, I go back to my question, where does this great multitude, which no one could count, come from? Perhaps you know where I'm going. Let me suggest something. Could it be that they consist of the millions of babies who've been aborted? Look, this text says they hail from every nation, all tribes and peoples and tongues. But many people groups around the world, represented by those, that phrase, have not heard the gospel. So how could it be that this innumerable assembly of worshipers consists of, uh, 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 from people all over the world, how could it be that they would come into being unless, maybe, maybe, we're talking about Numerous infants from every people group on earth where abortion is practiced who make their way to the throne of Almighty God and offer him worship. I don't know that. I think, I think there's something to it. Now, folks, I uh, sense you are deeply concerned about the destiny of those babies who've been aborted, as you should be. I also would not be surprised if at least someone in here has chosen abortion as the way out of a crisis pregnancy. In any group like this, surely that's the case. I hope you take comfort in what I've just shared. I don't think we can offer a justification for the sinful choice of abortion. But if you, who've chosen that path, are now repentant and wondering, where is my baby? I hope what I've just shared with you gives you comfort. Your baby is with the giver of life in heaven. And if what I've shared with you is just a little too complicated, let me simplify by offering to you this simple statement, which is found here in Psalm 119, verse 68. Just one phrase. You, it's a reference to God. You are good and do good. You may have chosen a sinful path, but I'm telling you, 
Almighty good has the character of being good and doing good. Nobody, in fact, is as good as God. Nobody, in fact, loves children, your children, as much as God does. He is love. We read this. God is love. Therefore, God cannot do what love cannot do. No, God did not send your innocent baby to hell. Babies who die go to heaven, not because they are sinless, no, not because they have been baptized, not because everyone goes to heaven. That's called universalism. We don't hold to that. Babies who die go to heaven for none of those reasons, but for this reason, God is love and therefore sent his son, Jesus, to die for them. And they did not reject him. Therefore, babies who die are in the loving embrace of God because they've never rejected the love of God in Jesus the Christ. Okay. You may have different feelings and opinions about the fairly controversial subject I just addressed. You're entitled to them. It is a bit controversial and sensitive matter. But let's move past it just for a second to a closing application. What about you? It's pleasing to know you're concerned about infants. Great. It's pleasing to know uh, you think abortion is not a good approach to things. Great. What about you? What about your response to the loving invitation of Almighty God to be wedded to him by faith? Look, for God, I don't know if you've heard this before, so loved, loved in such a way, such a volume, such magnitude, for God so loved the world. Interesting. The very world we're disgusted with, angry with, embittered by, cynical about. God says he loves it. I didn't say the ways of the world. I just said the occupants of it. For God so loved the world that he wrote a song. Oh, no, 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 no. Not mere words. He manifested his love. He gave For God so loved the world that he gave. What? Oh, you know, something he had many of. Something he could easily do without. Here, take this. I have 15 others just like it. For God so loved the world that he gave his, belonged to him, only begotten son. One of a kind, irreplaceable. Why did he do it? That whoever gets baptized, yeah, whoever believes, in general, whoever believes in him should not perish. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, what's the alternative? But have everlasting life. I'm happy that you're concerned about babies, yours and those not yours. But what about you? What about your response to that verse that contains the truth uh, that is the guarantee that when you die, you will not perish but have eternal life? 
What's your response to the love of God? Listen, if your understanding of sin and God's offer of salvation is clear and you have rejected it, don't be worried about the whereabouts of deceased infants. Worry about yourself. Infants who die are with their maker in heaven. They've never rejected his love. Have you? If you accept God's loving forgiveness in Christ Jesus, you too, not if, when you die, will also be with your maker in heaven. Are you sure? I don't see a good reason why any person should leave this place without being sure. We'd be glad to talk to you after the service. We'll dismiss, and then we'll stick around. Be glad to chat with you. We didn't get infants to heaven by baptizing them, by calling them sinless, or by any other means. We got them to heaven by the grace of God. That's how you get there. That's how I get there. What's your response to the grace of God? I hope it's, oh God, thank you for the inexpressible gift of salvation freely given to me, an undeserving sinner. Come into my life, Lord Jesus, and make me to be a babe in Christ. Make me to be born anew. And cause me to grow to be just like you. And put it within me to tell others. <laughs> and oh God, even if I've engaged in the very sinful option of abortion, I know your grace is greater even than that sin. Come into my life, Lord Jesus. Forgive me. Cast all my sins behind your back. Adopt me into your family. Make me to look more like you. Oh, God in heaven, uh, in the power of your spirit, would you please put pressure, loving, gentle pressure on the hearts and minds of anyone here tonight or watching who hasn't responded well to your gracious, merciful, free, loving offer of forgiveness through the death of your own son in our place. I pray, oh God, as we speak about this difficult and sensitive topic, somehow you would use it as an opportunity for grown adults who can understand the good news of forgiveness by faith in Christ Jesus. I pray, oh God, you would use tonight to usher them into the kingdom by your grace through their faith in your full and finished sacrifice for them on the cross. And this we pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, there you have it, folks. Uh, I just decided we should deal with a light topic tonight. So uh, you have it. We'll, you know what we should do? Let's sing something. Would you stand? 
I have nothing in mind, so I'm open for suggestions. Let's go out on a... Uh, oh, I know. We're talking about life. Let's sing, He Lives, He Lives, He Lives you Within My Heart. Do you know that one? I barely know it. Let's do it. Just the chorus. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, He lives. To do what? You ask me. He lives. Are you sure? God bless you folks. See you next time.